I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, and I hope the Lord enlarged your borders. Yeah, I know, a little guilt, shame, and condemnation. What a great day, though, and what great weather. Uh, very grateful for it. So, how about a little bit of fun and simplicity today, this weekend? A little post-Thanksgiving uh, teaching about the spirit of gratitude, being thankful. What is attitude? Attitude is the inward feeling expressed by my outward behavior. That's why your attitude can be seen without a word being spoken. Every parent that's got little kids or had little kids, you can remember when that child, without saying a word, had a bad attitude. Body language, you know, lifting the eyebrows, you could just tell. And if you're 52, you can tell it. And nobody likes to be around a grouch or somebody who's always grumpy. And by the way, you aren't born with a bad attitude or a good one. You choose it. Attitude is a choice. And I don't know of any employer that wants to pay for a bad attitude when you can get that for free. Watch it. You can be talented, you can be gifted, but you got a bad attitude. I don't care if you're a sports star, they'll trade you. Uh, or they'll fire you and replace you. Get a good attitude. Choose a good attitude. Kind of demonstrates the story of a juvenile delinquent who was sent to a Catholic home for rebellious runaway boys. And he told the nun he'd like to have a new red bicycle. The nun said, well, son, in your prayers tonight, if you ask the Lord, say, Lord, I'll be good for six months. Maybe he'll give you a new red bicycle. So that night, the little boy knelt beside his bed and said, dear God, I'll be good for six months if you'll give me a new red bike. Then he thought about it and he says, oh, shucks, I couldn't be good for six months. So he prayed, nah, dear God, I'll be good for two months if you'll give me a new red bicycle. Then he thought, I'll scratch that. I'll never be good for two months. He said, dear God, I'll be good all week if you'll give me a new red bicycle. And then he thought, man, I can't even go a week. So he looked over and he saw a statue of the Virgin Mary on the dresser. So he wrapped her in a pillowcase and he said, dear God, if you ever want to see your mother again. <laughs> Attitude. Attitude. Do you have a spirit of gratitude? Are you thankful for God's goodness or are you just a grouch? Are you thankful? One wife said to her husband, what are you thankful for most, honey, concerning me? My natural beauty, my vivacious personality, or my ravishing body? The husband thought, of, thought a minute and got a little diplomatic, and he says, I'm most thankful for your unlimited imagination and <laughs> diplomacy. So today, let's discover that having a spirit of gratitude is a key to a life with peace, power, and prosperity. And you're going to see in a little bit that having a, a people who are grateful, people who are thankful, people who are appreciative, live longer, have better health, have a stronger immune system, and enjoy overall a better quality of life than negative, grouchy, grumpy, complaining, murmuring people. That's a medical fact. Happy people live longer. You get toxic, you get bitter, you murmur, you whine, you complain about what you don't have or what happened to you and what you want and don't have, whatever. You release these acids into your body that are destructive. They're cancerous. They will destroy you. So God has a good plan for all of us, and one of them is learning to be grateful, to be thankful. So let's discover that today and watch how it releases the supernatural power of God into our life. It also assures our prayers to be answered. Psalms 100, verse 4 and 5 says, Let us enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. You ever wondered why church and home groups are supposed to start off with some praise and thanksgiving to God? 
God says, the way you approach me is you come into my gates with thanksgiving and into my courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. That's a spirit of gratitude. Maybe your business did really well this year. Well, thank God. Give him credit for that. You know, a lot of people didn't have a good year, but you did. So you give him praise. Gratitude is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's something you decide to do. Barbara Walters interviewed Christopher Reed several years ago on an ABC program, very powerful, inspirational uh, interview that I watched, and Christopher Reed is the guy who played Superman, and yet there he was, totally paralyzed from a horse fall that left him quadriplegic. He couldn't lift his hand, couldn't brush his hair, couldn't feed himself, couldn't breathe without the help of a machine. But his wife, Dana, touched the side of his head and said to Barbara and to him, this is what you are, not your body. She was saying, you are what you think, not what your body feels. And that was a courageous statement that any human being I know of could possibly make. That was a spirit of gratitude. As a man thinks, so is he. And I think a lot of people are dying because of a negative thinking process. Your mouth controls the direction of your attitude. Stop saying, I can't. Start saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I hear that misread. That scripture doesn't mean you can do anything you want to do. You weigh 300 pounds, you ain't going to run a 100-yard dash in eight seconds, maybe eight hours, but not eight seconds. That says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Anything God tells you to do, anything He commands you to do, anything He's called you to do, no matter what the deficit is, He'll make up the deficit for you through Christ who strengthens me. So I can do anything He says. If He says I can overcome that, don't tell me, well, I can't. Yes, you can. You can do it through God's power in you. I don't care if you're a drug addict, an alcoholic, or whatever you're addicted to. If God says, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Nothing shall have dominion over you. You have to believe that either he's a liar or he's telling the truth. But you're going to have to change your behavior. You know, I can't is the brother of I don't want to. And that's usually the issue. So stop, stop saying, you know, I, I, if and start saying I will. Uh, stop saying, I think, and start saying, I know. Surely by now you know some things. Stop saying it's impossible. Start saying nothing's impossible to those who believe. If you're a follower of Jesus, there's a divine spark of the living God inside of you. And because that creative life of His Holy Spirit is within you, there is something in you that hell itself cannot conquer. All you have to do to be all you can be is put your hand in the nail-pierced hand of the resurrected Son of God, and you declare out loud, I will not be defeated. I will not quit. I'm a child of God, and I'm going to be all I can be, all of my potential for the glory of my God who made me. Your attitude is not controlled by circumstances around you. During the Korean War, the United States Marines were surrounded by the Chinese Communists. A lieutenant radioed the commander saying, sir, the enemy is now in front of us. The enemy is behind us, and now they're closing on both sides. What is your response, sir? The commander shouted back on the radio, thank God, they're not going to get away this time. <laughs> That's attitude, brother. Your attitude determines your attainment. A man walked through a cemetery one night, fell in a freshly dug grave in the dark, jumped and jumped, tried to get out, but he couldn't. It was impossible. So he just sat down in the dark to think. A few minutes later, another guy walking through fell into the opposite end of the same grave in the dark. 
But unnoticed by this frantically jumping man, the new arrival spoke out of the darkness, you can't get out of here. Oh, but he did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> Maybe you're not reaching your objective because you lack motivation. I think most of us know what to do. We lack the motivation to do it. But properly motivated, you can reach your objective. A mother who had given her nine-year-old son piano lessons for a couple of years felt like it was going nowhere. My two daughters took enough piano lessons for enough years to pay off this building, and they couldn't play chopsticks. I just couldn't believe it. How can you be that bad and go to class for all those years and not have any talent at all? I, I didn't get it. So in desperation, she bought two tickets for herself and her son to go hear the famed pianist Paderewski in concert. They walked into the theater and sat down. There's a lot of buzz and talking going on, uh, waiting for the program to start. So the mother got engaged in a conversation with a woman seated next to her, and the little boy saw that massive Steinway piano on stage, and he slipped out of his seat, walked down the aisle right up on the stage, and sat down and started to play chopsticks on the piano. The crowd was horrified. Some people called for security to remove the boy. Well, Paderewski backstage heard the commotion, walked out on stage and saw the boy sitting there. So he walked up beside the boy and he said, son, don't stop playing. And that great master sat down beside this kid and started putting together this masterful composition that would go along with chopsticks. And when they were finished, the crowd stood with great applause. I think the point is sometimes God takes our meager effort, chopsticks, and he transforms it into a masterpiece. Sometimes you're doing the absolute best you can, and it's going nowhere, and it just sucks. And then all of a sudden, the God with whom nothing is impossible sits down beside you like that boy and makes something beautiful out of nothing. And he whispers in your ear, come on now, don't quit. Keep trying. I'm with you. Press on. Press through. You play chopsticks. You do the best you can. I'll put everything around it that'll make it beautiful. You cannot be defeated. You are a child of God. And some of you need to keep doing what you're doing. If you're doing your best, God will give you a breakthrough. Now, why should I have a gratitude of an attitude, attitude of gratitude? Why should I be thankful? Because God commands it. Psalms 100 verse 4, we just read it. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Don't bless your name, bless His name. He's the one worthy. That's not a suggestion, that's a command. Colossians 3, verse 15, and let the peace of God umpire in your heart, and be thankful. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by Him. Whatever you do in the name of Jesus, give thanks to Him. Let that peace of God rule in your heart, and then give thanks. Have you ever felt and some of you businessmen, maybe there's an investment opportunity, maybe, it's, but you just didn't have peace about it. It wasn't because you lacked anything. You just, something, something didn't feel good. That's the Holy Spirit umpiring in your heart saying, I don't have time to get you the information. Time out, cowboys. Season's over, <laughs> but whatever. That's the Him putting a check in your spirit. Can you say with me that if you've ever violated that, you regret it? You regret it. You didn't feel good about it, but you did it anyway. 
Well, listen, learn to listen to that little voice. That's how God will direct you many times when there's no evidence and you don't know all the facts and there's no scripture to say yes or no. You just as a business guy didn't feel good about it. And you said, no, I'm not going to invest in it. And they're arguing, well, it's a great deal. It's maybe it's not a great deal. And God's trying to give you peace. And then when you find out it wasn't a great deal, be thankful unto God and say, thank you for that check in my spirit. Thank you that I, I, this happened so I could, I could save myself a lot of heartbreak. And then he says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by him. So do you give thanks to God in all things? Remember, it says in all things, not for all things. You don't thank God for a car wreck. You don't thank God for cancer. You, you don't thank God you lost your job. You thank God that he says he will work everything for your good and your glory. You thank God that he's up to something in your life. He's going to make a major transfer. There's going to be something you don't see yet going on. You can't see it yet. So by faith, you give him thanks that he's up to something good, that this is not permanent. This setback's going to become a comeback. You know, when Cindy took out a deer and it took about $8,000 worth of car off the front end, I thank God, but I didn't thank God she wrecked the car. I thank God she wasn't hurt. Yeah, there's plenty to be thankful for all around us at all. It's not as bad as it could have been. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The deer wasn't very thankful because that was the end of him. But I was amazed how much damage to an automobile that one deer could do. Don't get in front of my wife driving. <laughs> so do you give thanks in all things, even when the highway patrol pulls you over? Like they did one man, the patrolman said, sir, I'm going to have to give you a ticket, your taillight's out. And the man got out of the car and looked and said, oh my God. The patrolman said, sir, calm down. Take it easy. Keep your composure. It's not a big deal. Your taillight's out. It's just a small fine. The man said, I'm not worried about my taillight or the small fine. What happened to my $50,000 boat I was pulling? Now, the spirit of gratitude is not an emotion, it's an act of your will. When you decide to be grateful, when you decide to be appreciative, your emotions change. When you decide to thank the Lord, your attitude will change, your life will change, your speech will change, peace of mind comes back to you. You can have joy unspeakable and full of glory, you can live with confidence, you can live with enthusiasm and passion, you can have a successful and a meaningful life because the Bible says, be thankful unto Him and bless His name. If you choose to reject this spirit of gratitude, you invite demonic powers around your life. Paul says in Romans 1, verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, because when they knew God, they were not thankful, but became vain in their imagination. So God gave them up to the lust of their own heart, and people went into all kinds of perversion. Perversion began in the heart of ungrateful, unthankful people who did not appreciate what God had given to them. Here's a quick formula for success. If you want to be distressed, look within. If you want to be defeated, look back. If you want to be distracted, look around you. If you want to be dismayed, look ahead of you. But if you want to be delivered, look up. God reigns on His throne, and nothing can defeat a child of God. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, in everything give thanks. In reversal, give thanks. In heartbreak, give thanks. In dungeons of despair, give thanks. In delight, give thanks. In pain, give thanks. In prosperity, 
give thanks. In want, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. See, God's greater than any giant you're facing. He's greater than any mountain you're climbing, greater than any burden you're carrying. So regardless of the intensity of the fight you're in, God's grace is sufficient. You cannot be ultimately defeated. That which I have begun in you, I will perform it to the day of Jesus. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Now bear in mind, you can be attacked, you can be hurt, you can be delayed, but you cannot be defeated or stopped until God's purpose is fulfilled in your life. That ought to keep your attitude at a high level. You could say, ah, rats, what a, ah, this is terrible, this setback or whatever's happened. But it's not the end of the story. It's just the beginning of it right now. God promised he's going to bring you through this deal. Uh, David said, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't buy property and invest there. And he wasn't going to stay there. He said, it's a temporary play. I'm going to walk through this thing. And in the meanwhile, God will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God sometimes will let people realize he sustained you. He kept you. He's with you in the worst situation. God's got more in mind with your life than you. There are people around you being affected by you and what's happening to you. So bear in mind, God's always thinking much bigger than we are. So you say, Rick, I don't see how praising God in the midst of a trial can help anything. I don't know how a black cow eats green grass and gives white milk, but it happens every day. All I know is if you have to experience, have to understand everything you experience, you'll never, you'll never experience God. I've been in this thing a long time, and He's always doing something I don't understand. I can't even fathom the depth of this God. The fact is, when you're not giving thanks to God, you're not even in the will of God. To complain or gripe about what you don't have is to fault God's provision. To complain and gripe about where you are is to fault God's leadership in your life. He may have given you a big detour to cause you to meet somebody that could change your life. One woman was detoured to San Antonio when she wanted to go to the Northeast, and God brought her here. She came to church here, gave her life to Jesus, and was changed, and then was able to go back to Maine. So sometimes life's detours are God's interstate highways. God's up to something. He's going to add something to you, bring a divine connection in your life. You're going to perhaps meet somebody. You're going to get an opportunity you didn't have if you'll just get your pacifier out of your mouth and quit whining and complaining and murmuring. Learn to give thanks to God. Don't fault the sovereignty of God. He knows who you are. He knows what you are. And don't whine about being bald or being tall or being big boned or being short. You're saying to God, you don't know what you're doing. And I'm God, he does. Now, some of you might be ugly. Well, that's too bad. It ain't going to get any better. Some of you are bow-legged. I'm sorry. Some of you are skinny. Well, you're very lucky. You ought to praise God and rejoice. You can eat Thanksgiving and not gain a pound, and the rest of us hate you. That's the way it goes. But I know when you were born, the genius of heaven exploded. I know you are unique. There's no other person like you on the face of the earth, no one else with that DNA. So be thankful unto God and bless His name. Enjoy being who you are. Go for the gusto and enjoy your life. It's worth the trip. God guarantees it. If two of us are identical, one of us isn't necessary. I could sit around and complain, well, I'm not as talented as T.D. Jakes, or I'm not as gifted as that person, or I wish I had or did or what. Hey, God made you for a specific purpose. You're a perfect fit in God's plan where He wants you. Now, all He's going to do to assess your life for eternity is, did you do what I made you to do? 
And if you did, the reward is the same as a T.D. Jakes or anybody else. So I don't have to worry about it, where he placed me, how many gifts he gave me, or how few. I better learn to play that card the best I can and multiply it where I am, because there are people who will listen to you who will never listen to me. There are people who will listen to me who would never listen to you. That's because we're unique. We're different. Every church is different, has a different spirit, a different DNA. That's a good thing. Celebrate who you are and what you are. Don't, I mean, look, you could have been born in Afghanistan. You didn't have anything to do with being born in America or being having the right to come here and get a green card or perhaps get a citizenship. You could have been born in Afghanistan to some uh, Islamic terrorist family. I didn't have anything to do with when I would be born, if I would be born, to whom I would be born, and where I would be born. I didn't get to choose any of that. There's a lot for me to be grateful for today. Really, pacifiers ought to be falling out of mouths in this room right now. Got people around you who love you, who believe in you. God himself thinks enough of you to die for you. Says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. There's nothing to be no reason for me to whine. Life could be a lot worse. Yeah, life could be even better, but life is good. And we celebrate a really great country. I mean, the freedoms I have, go to another country and see if you can do what you do here. You cannot do it. We've got a lot to be grateful for, and I think we live in an entire, we're raising a culture of entitled people who think everybody owes them. Everybody owes them. That, you know what that is? Ungrateful ingratitude, unthankfulness. And you're going to see in a moment, God's not real high on that. That's not a real good feature to have in your life. When you were born, the genius of heaven exploded. Now the spirit of gratitude, we said, is a choice. It's a decision. It's not a feeling. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Negative people who murmur and complain, they're always, seems to me, they always seem to master the art of creative suffering. They're never thankful for anything. You know, our wives cook all day or maybe for a couple of days leading up to Christmas or leading up to Thanksgiving, have everything nice, everything so decorated, and it takes us about 30 minutes to eat it. And then she got to clean it all up and clean the floor and clean the kitchen. She's wore out by the end of the day. You know, half the women in church can't even cook. I'm talking about the young women. You know, when I went to high school, I know this is way a long, long time ago, but when I went to high school, they had home ec. You had to bake and cook in ovens. Actually, you did. You had to sew. You had to use a washer and dryer. You had to learn to do all kinds of stuff in there. Just cooking would be nice. Cindy and I had 700 uh, young couples, married couples in our class in Savannah, Georgia. And she said, honey, nobody can cook in here. Everybody buys their food. And I, and I thought, I got married to a great cook. And then your, if you have daughters, they learn how to cook from a mom who cooks. Now, Alicia wasn't real big on domestic uh, engineering, but uh, Chrissy was. But now that Alicia's up in Austin, she's always calling mom about, well, now, how much do you put in that and how do you do that? But at least thank God she can call a cook. I got a lot to be thankful for. I eat well. My wife's a great cook. And, 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 there's, and she can fix things if they break or sew them up and put a button together. I kind of appreciate that. There's, I, you think it's always the big things. It's not always the big things. And I'm not easy to live with, and she still lives with me. And I think that's true. I got a lot. Some of you old ugly men, you ought to be grateful a, a woman even loves you. You ugly thing. So I'm not in deception. I am absolutely aware of that. You kind of got to love me on purpose. I know that. 
like hugging a porcupine. I, I, it, I have a few redeeming qualities. We haven't discovered what they are, but, but I know I do. I'm sure I do. A beleaguered man invaded a restaurant and yelled at a waitress, hey, lady, you serve crabs in here? The waitress said, we serve anybody. Sit down. That's the way some people are. You know, some people, they just said, if I don't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. Be thankful and bless his name anyway. You're not going to get out of this life alive anyway, folks. Not any of you. So smell the roses. Enjoy the trip. Celebrate what you do have, not what you don't have. This is the best day of your life. Quit worrying about what's behind you. Don't become fretful over the future. God says, this is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. I woke up today. A lot of people my age did not wake up today. They're gone. If you woke up this morning, rejoice. Be exceedingly glad. Every day above ground's a good day. Thankfulness and thanksgiving is a spirit of gratitude. Thank God for the gift of life by living it triumphantly. Thank God for people who love you, for friends who support you, believe in you, help you. Stop whimpering, crying, and moaning about everything you want or everything you think you don't have. A father who repaired washing machines for a living complained to his wife their daughter that year wasn't going to get a new pair of shoes to wear to the Easter church services. She'd have to wear old shoes to church. That afternoon, he was called to a wealthy area of town and a very significant group of people who lived there. He was fixing the woman's washer machine when he was just talking, small talk, and complained about the fact his daughter's going to have to wear the same old pair of shoes to church for Easter. And the lady broke into sobs, ran out of the room. Her husband came back in to explain to the repairman what happened. He said, we have a six-year-old daughter that will never walk. He said, I'd give my entire fortune and live in a shack if I could hear the footsteps of my daughter coming down the hall and your old shoes for your daughter. You know, the old poem goes like this. I complained about having no shoes till I met a man who had no feet. I wonder, have we forgotten to be grateful, thankful? Thank God for every new day. Live like that day was your last day, because it could be. A lot of people are postponing happiness, postponing joy, postponing thankfulness, waiting on that magical moment when everything in life is going to be perfect. Read my lips. It will never happen. So live life the best you can today. Do the best you can with it, because it's the only time you ever have a guarantee of today. Young people will often say, particularly young ladies, I'll be glad when I get older. Little girls always say that. And I thought, oh, no, you don't. No, you won't. Old age is not all it's cranked up to be. You get older and everything hurts. And what doesn't hurt doesn't work. Or everything dries up. Or it leaks. You get about 60, your hair, teeth, and stomach start coming out all at the same time. Your knees buckle and your pants won't. Young people say, I'll be so glad when I get married. You get married six months later, you're in our counseling offices crying, oh God, what am I going to do with this person I married? Hey, darling, you wanted him, you chose him, rejoice and be glad. He's the consummate wisdom of your decision-making power. Or you got married and found out your spouse has a wonderful personality, just not for a human being. Yeah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Forget not all of his benefits. You won't remember them all, but don't forget them all. Remember some of them. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. The spirit of gratitude reflects the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. Ephesians 5 verse 18 says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. Now, God says you can drink wine, but he says, don't get drunk. Don't get intoxicated. Not a good thing. 
When the people get drunk, they lose control. They do things they would not normally do. They lose their dignity. They lose their modesty. They lose, they, they lose their mind. They, they just, you'll pick, I watch guys in high school pick a fight with somebody twice their size because they were drunk and they got nearly killed. Or people will, I had a guy on an airplane in South Africa, drunk as a skunk with three friends going down to Johannesburg, and he was singing, the Irish eyes are on you, and they were trying to just calm him down, and he was just bellowing out as loud as he could be. He had no dignity, no self he was drunk. That's what drunk people do, they, they, they're not inhibited. So God says, I love his thinking, he says, now don't get intoxicated with alcohol, but be intoxicated with my spirit. So what alcohol does to the natural body, the Holy Spirit does to the spiritual man, and you'll say something you wouldn't normally have the courage to say. You'll do something you wouldn't have the normal courage to do. Why? You're drunk. <laughs> but you're not drunk with alcohol, you're drunk with God's spirit. You can say something that needs to be said. You can confront something that needs confronting. You can, take a, you can take a risk in faith. You can make an investment in faith. You can make a gift in faith, believing God, that you wouldn't normally do inhibited, but when you're intoxicated with spirit, you will. It overcomes fear. Remember in the upper room, the 120 were gathered there. They were afraid for the people in the streets. And when the Spirit of God came on them, they ran out into the streets, bold as lions, Scripture said. Well, wait that way. They got drunk. Could I say to some of you, it's happy hour? Some of you need to step up and have a good shot, maybe two shots, get a little bit loose. Honestly, the Holy Spirit does not freeze you. He doesn't make you some wooden statue. We ought to be joyful, happy, expressive people, thanking God for so much and so many things that we enjoy. And then he says, verse 19, Here's what Spirit-filled people do, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, just singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit-filled people are thankful people. They're not weird people. They possess a spirit of gratitude and thankfulness, whereas ungrateful, angry, and negative people are slaves to the God of self. But when you give your heart to Jesus and receive a new heart, then that joy of the Lord fills your heart, gives you peace that passes understanding, and you're pretty much exciting to be around. Religion is a bad thing. Relationship with God is a good thing. I was fun to be around us in my bad boy days, uh, doing some bad things, but I was fun. And I was actually a nice person. Wasn't a Christian, but I was a nice person. If you needed help, I'd help you. And I was laughable and fun. So how did coming to a relationship with the living God who created me make me unfun to be with? You're so serious, you're just ugly. It's just terrible. There's just plenty to laugh at, really. Sometimes things can get so bad, you could sit down with a friend and just belly laugh. Can you believe this? This is almost funny. It's so bad. Well, I'm just saying, how would you be rated if we put you on a TV show as fun to be around? Kind of like athlete's foot for some of you. It's like, no, a hernia, no. I started to say hemorrhoid, but that wouldn't be nice either. But I, you're just painful to be around. So he says, here we go, Philippians 4, verse 6. Be anxious about nothing, but in everything, by prayer and thanksgiving. 
let your request be made known to God. He says, in everything, let your request be. That means you can pray about anything. Parking place on Black Friday. Yeah. Your car. Need a new car. Need to repair this car. Need something that works better. You say, well, I'll pray about that. He says, in everything, let your request be known to God. Get out of this religious cycle. It's not just spiritual things you pray for. You pray for anything. Lord, let this child come out quick. Mother had 48 hours of labor. Would you cut mine down to about 12? You think I wouldn't pray that if I'm laying on that table? Legs out there, labor pains coming? I'll be praying. I'll say, God, I got a minute and a half. Get this kid out of here right now. And by the way, one of our, uh, our, our young men, Gerald Clairville, and his wife just had, this morning, just a few minutes ago, had a little baby boy, little Jackson Ray, seven pounds, came popping out of the way. Came quick, too, which all women would say, praise God, quick. Quick is good when you're having a baby. Quick is good. Paul gives us an example of being thankful first, Romans 1.18. First, I thank my God through Jesus for all of you. See it? The spirit of gratitude releases God's supernatural favor. You need a miracle? Then you need to learn how to give thanks. Jonah's in the belly of a great fish, Old Testament version of Jaws. God told him to go to Nineveh. He rebels. He buys a ticket and goes the opposite direction. God doesn't wring his hands and say, oh my, what am I going to do now? God sends a storm. Has Jonah thrown overboard? Sends a great fish to swallow him alive. Now he's swimming in the gastric juices of this great fish, and he wants out. You don't have to have a Ph.D. to know how bad he wants out. Some of you are in a situation right now. You're in the belly of a whale and want out. He's already defied God's clear direction for his life. He's in rebellion. He needs a major miracle now. So for several verses in chapter 2, Jonah prays and prays, and nothing happens. Then something changes in verse 9. I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. Ah, then it says in verse 10, God spoke to the fish, and the fish took him up to the beach and vomited him out. Woo! What a deliverance that must have been. Seaweed in his hair, bleached skin, puke all over him, smelling like a dead fish that's been in the back seat of your car for a week on a summer day. Can you imagine? And what does he say? He gets out on the beach, and everybody's looking. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. How'd you like to have an evangelist like that in the pulpit? He definitely got attention. The point was, the key to experiencing the supernatural power of God is simple prayer with gratitude. If you want supernatural power, if you're in a circumstance that you need to escape, then learn how to offer to God the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving first. Jesus fed 5,000 people with the spirit of gratitude, John 6, verse 11. And Jesus took the loaves, and when He had given thanks— he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. Notice there was no long hour chest pounding prayer, just simple thanksgiving. And then the request and the miracle to feed 5,000 people occurred. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead with the supernatural power of God from a spirit of gratitude. John chapter 11, uh, verse 12, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And when he was finished speaking, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. So if you need a miracle, God's suggestion is, would you please start 
by praising God, giving Him thanksgiving before you make the list of requirements and requests. He will open the windows of heaven, pour you out blessing that's uncontainable. He's still a miracle-working God, and He'll do it for you if you'll let Him. About a week and a half ago, one of our members asked me to go down to a friend of his, not a Christian. He's in the emergency room, Rick. He suffered a major heart attack, 46 years old, just fell over with a heart attack. It took 16 minutes for the medics to arrive, EMS. 16 minutes with no oxygen to the brain. I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but several of my doctor friends said the longest somebody's uh, lived was about 12 minutes in freezing water without oxygen to the brain. Otherwise, the brain dies, and you're just a vegetable kept alive by life support. For all purposes, you're gone. And they told the, the wife, the head, the head surgeon at the Baptist Hospital downtown, where we went, prepare for the worst. In his own words, he was trying to let her know, we see no chance of any recovery. Uh, he's going to be brain dead. So I walked into this room. I've heard all that negative talk. He's hooked up on all these machines. All these buzzers are going to beep, 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 and tubes and electrodes everywhere on his body laying there totally frozen. The wife is crying on this side of the bed. The daughter's crying on this side of the bed. And the doctor, the head surgeon's already walked out and said, uh, we don't have any hope. He's been without oxygen to the brain for too long. And he was very, he was trying to not let a wife get unrealistic expectation. And, I, and they asked me to come and pray. So I walked in. I put my hand on his forehead. And I said, Father, I thank you that you've raised the dead, that you made a lame man walk, that you opened blind eyes, that you fed thousands of people with five loaves and two fishes. I thank you your word declares that there's nothing too hard for you. Now, all I'm doing is I'm praising this God and giving thanks to him for who he is and what he is. I said, in your hand is life and death, not in the hand of this hospital, but in your hand. You hold life together. And then I said, in the name of Jesus, I command life to come to this brain. I declare will not be permanently damaged. And I speak life and health to his heart and cardiovascular system. And I said, I pray you'll give hope and encouragement to this wife. And I told that wife, I says, do not bury this man yet. I said, God hasn't had the last word. You've just invited God into this situation. God is a God of mercy and grace, even to somebody that doesn't know Him. In fact, sometimes even more so. And I thank God for touching this man's body. I didn't feel anything. I didn't see anything. They thanked me for coming. I walked out. And I looked at her and I said to the wife, it's not over. This is not over. And I walked down the hall. And I never felt so bold, just very peaceful, and I thought, I think I just represented him really, really good. I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking to myself, good, but I don't know what will happen because I don't know the will of God for this man. I don't know that. The next morning, 8 o'clock, I get a text from our member of the church, the friend, says, Rick, this morning his eyes opened. He responded to touch. He responded. He cried. His eyes were crying. He's got stuff in his mouth, trach and stuff, and he can't talk. He's got, and he responded to commands. And the doctor said, the chief surgeon said, this is a miracle. I said, you bet your bottom it's a miracle. Yeah, it is. It's, but I said all that to say this. 
I can't guarantee that every time I go and pray for somebody, nor can you. But I can definitely tell you that we started it off by thanking God for who He is and what He can do. Lord, in spite of the fact I've lost my job, in spite of the fact the economy might have tanked and that at my age it's more difficult to get a job, certainly it is, I thank you. You're my provider. I trust in you. I'm a giver. I'm a server. I trust you to supply all of my needs. You fed a man with ravens. You opened the Red Sea. You made a 90-year-old man get a, 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 a... a 90-year-old woman with a 100-year-old husband get pregnant. There's nothing too hard for you. You start with praise and thanksgiving for what He's going to do. And then thank Him that deliverance is on the way. Instead of just whining and complaining and murmuring. That's not Bible. I'm going to show you God hates it. He's not real happy about it. So how does this happen then, Rick? Again, Say, Lord, I thank you for the trial I'm going through. I don't like it. I don't understand it. But I know you're too wise to make a mistake. You're too loving to be unkind. I thank you for this business. In spite of the fact it failed, I refuse to become bitter. I will trust you. I will praise you because you are the lifter of my head. I know you're leading me right now by closing this door into the greatest opportunity of my life to reverse my adversity. I thank you for the pain or heartache I felt for the valley I've just gone through. It's brought me closer to you. It's caused me to pray more than I ever had. It's allowed me to feel your presence in a way I haven't known. It's allowed me to discover you're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. It's allowed me to discover in a new way you're the bread of life. It's allowed me to find you as living water in my desert of barrenness right now in despair, a comforter, my strong tower, my fortress, my shield, and my buckler. You alone are my God. You and you alone are worthy of all praise and glory. You are my King, my Redeemer, and I will exalt your holy name. I'm telling you, God loves that. He says, magnify the Lord. Look at your problem through God. Don't look at God through your problem. God says, magnify him. Brag on him a little bit. And that's what Jehoshaphat did when he went out to face an army that had him outnumbered three to one. He praised God in advance, and God sent destruction over the enemy. So I think we do it wrong. We just immediately start naming everything we need and want. There's no praise. There's no thanksgiving. Almost entitlement. So thank him. If you'll start that this week, I guarantee you, I'll get some notes of mention or emails or, or people telling me of a breakthrough or something that's just happened. Just go home and repent of complaining and repent of being ungrateful for what you do have. The opposite of gratitude is murmuring. Philippians 2.14, do all things without murmuring or complaining. Folks, nobody likes to be around a complainer. You'll lose a job even if you're smart and talented because you poison the atmosphere where people work. Murmuring and complaining. God says, don't do it in my kingdom. In Jude 14 and 16, it says, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of His saints to execute judgment on all and to convict all that are ungodly of their ungodly deeds. And who are these people? These are the murmurers and complainers walking after their own desires. So God Himself despises murmuring and complaining. We count our blessing on our fingers and our miseries on a calculator. We murmur about our homes, what we don't have, how small it is, or how I wish it was bigger, while over three million people in America sleep in cardboard boxes under overpasses. We murmur about what we don't have, and yet in the next 30 minutes, over 10,000 children around the world will starve to death. I don't even have a smart TV. Well, turn it on, sucker. At least it works. Smart, I don't know. Maybe it's called paid for. 
That's smart enough, huh? Have we become so blessed we don't know how to be thankful? Are we so pampered and privileged as American people that we can't appreciate simple things God gives us every day? Just like the ability to breathe without the pain of asthma, like the ability to walk on my own two feet instead of being confined to a wheelchair? Am I grateful for good health? Miss one day of it and you'll recognize it for the treasure it is. There's not one person in this room, if you took 10 minutes to walk around here and look at people, you couldn't find a dozen people in circumstances so painful and heartbreaking, you'd look like queen for a day. You'd be smitten in the face saying, God, forgive me for one complaint. I spent 30 days in the backside of India many, many over 40 years ago, lost 25 pounds. When I landed in New York, I got down and kissed the tarmac with those lips. I think, what a privilege. And I went in and got a New York hot dog with mustard and sauerkraut. i never forget that. Oh, I was so grateful for what I had. You don't know what all you have, even in the worst circumstances, till you go somewhere they don't have anything. And then they, they say Americans are complainers. All my friends in foreign countries say Americans are always whining about this and about that, and they don't have. We are so privileged we've become fat and entitled and, and spoiled so that we're like spoiled kids, uh, people not happy to have us come around. We get choices. They don't get choices. They get two choices. We get 500 channels. They get four. And two of them are on, honey, what was that one in Australia we watched? A dart throwing contest. Oh, well, when the Cowboys are on, I usually watch that channel, but I don't know. <laughs> Not too exciting, but neither was their game. <laughs> Visit the burned and broken bodies of our brave young men and women from the military being treated at Bamsey from wounds they sustained in a war. Not of their making, but they went. They answered their call. They served valiantly. Many of them will not return to a normal life. Thank God you're able to give comfort and help to them, or thankful you're not one of them. Thankful, thankful. I'm just saying, you could just gripe for the rest of your life and miss the good things God has for you. Get alone in the house and nobody's home and just walk around. Thank God you got an electric door opener for your garage. How many of you remember you had to open it manually? Remember that? And, and we had the old party line. You had to listen for your ring. Had that big old cord. Then we had that rotary phone. There's just so much. I'm grateful. You know, I fly so many miles, I can upgrade to a business seat. I mean, it's wider. And it's got a little more leg room. And pretty soon, if you're not careful, you'll be saying, well, that ain't big enough. I need an apartment up here. Uh, you forget how long you flew back in economy, and you nearly squeezed yourself to death. It's easy to get ungrateful and just want more and more and more, and you're not thankful for what you have. Are you thankful for your friends? Tell people now and then that you love them, that I'm glad you're my friend. My life's better because you're in it. I, I love you and appreciate you because you're a gift from God. And everybody that does something to help you, you've got to remember that still comes from God. God says He turns the heart of a king any way He wants to. When sometimes I'm used to bless somebody, uh, to do something, and they want to thank me, I said, well, I know, I know who orchestrated my heart towards you. God did. God always does. So be sure you thank Him. Thank you, Lord, I could be used. Thank you that you could use what I know, what I say, what I have, the position I hold to unlock a door to give favor to somebody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God's got a key to your future, but it's not going to come by murmuring and complaining. It's going to come from gratitude. 
Have you forgotten how to be thankful? Last verse, Psalms 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. God loves grateful people. And I'm telling you, I believe some of you are on the threshold of a breakthrough. Just change your attitude. And today, start today. Do it privately. If you don't want to be around anybody, do it in the car. Do it out in the backyard somewhere when you're doing something else. And just thank Him for all the benefits He's given you. Hey, how about thanking Him for mercy when He could have broken your neck and you deserved it and you escaped? You got grace. You got mercy. Thank you, Lord, you didn't destroy me when I could have been and deserved it. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Make a li- count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Somebody say amen. Thank you, Lord. You are so good. For more information on Rick Godwin and product available, visit SummitSA.com and click on Bookstore.